the best of the busts. Welcome in, everybody, to Fantasy Pros. This is the Fantasy Baseball Podcast. It is me, Joey P. Joe P. Zafia, and today, it's about the busts. That's right. It's a Monday we're recording this. Everybody's grouchy, and everybody's always got problems on Mondays. And we've got problems with some players to help break down the all-bust team for 2023 is, of course, my podcast partner, The Welsh. You can follow him on the Twitter machine at IsItTheWelsh. And we brought in a big gun today from Wire and, of course, from Fangraphs, the one, the only, Jason Collette. Follow him on Twitter at Jason Collette. And, Jason Collette, I saw you not that long ago, and we had some fun talk. We were buying back into Gavin Lux. It was a simpler time about a Mm. week ago. And now, I got to tell you, I love you. You're one of my favorite people, but I hate your list. A lot of your players are some of my favorite guys going into 2023. <laughs> so one of us is either going to be really right or really wrong. And somebody's going to be depressed. Yeah. I figured it was going to create some controversy looking at that. I wanted to make sure I picked different names that, than what Welsh has as I didn't want to be like, Oh, that was my guy. So I wanted to go through some things and I was like, you know, some of these are going to be like, uh, what are you thinking Jay? Uh, so we'll see. I hope I, uh, I hope I uh, give you at least something to think about without completely pissing you off. You know, Jason, I kind of wish we could have like had you get to this first so we could have seen what those names look like on here because uh, there are two on here that make me very upset. Very, very (laughs) upset. It also maybe means that you would have had some of my guys, which I'm kind of excited to see. And for everybody, I also attempted to pick like a few different names. We've talked a lot about bus recently. You may know some of them that I may have taken I went in a little bit of a different direction for some different bus, but Joe, there's sometimes I can't help myself with a few of these guys. I just have to continuously keep calling them bus. And when they're amazing this year, everyone will remind me. Well, let's see one. I have a huge problem with, cause he's on uh, two of my rosters already. So I'm <laughs> like, I've got to hear what you have to say there. Oh, well, well, she might as well get out of the way. I mean, because you have basically every chance you've had, you've taken shots at Dalton Varsho. So let's just get that out of the way. Clean slate. For those who might not have ever heard a podcast here between the two of us, give them why Dalton Varsho is going to be a bust in 2023 at catcher. Yeah, and <laughs> trying to be like level about it. Like Dalton Varsho is still going to be a very fine player. My biggest issue has been where he's going. NFBC drafts lead a lot of this. And, and you know, pointing out like if you go to fan, uh, Fantasy Pros ADP, it is manipulated by all of the places. It's an aggregate system. NFBC plays a big role in that. And NFBC pushes up catchers. And I think that generally pushes these guys up to a level that I just don't think I'm super comfortable with because I think the position is kind of deep. Uh, obviously, pull heavy. I think he's going to struggle versus lefties. There's the potential that I'm not going to say there's going to be any platoons or anything like that, but you never know if he's going to get out versus lefties. I don't know if he's going to run as much. And I've exhaustingly said that, you know, Toronto was in the bottom third of the league in stolen attempts, while the Diamondbacks were like the top five overall teams mm-hmm. in stolen base attempts. They're going to go up in general, but those stolen bases come down. The average kind of stinks a little bit and the homers pop down a little bit. Why would that be more valuable by 20 rounds in Adley Rutschman? Why would that be more valuable than 50 rounds on Salvador Perez or going even further? I could just keep listing catcher names. I'd rather not make the investment early on, even though he does qualify at another position. So I think like top 55 is just bust material for me. It's going to be really hard, I think, for him to return that value. I say all of that, and then he's going to be, you know, 30, 20, and I'll just eat crow. Yeah, it's funny you should mention Adley Rutschman in that conversation because that's the guy that Colette chose at catcher. (laughs) Our good friend uh, Ryan Warmly, the worm, uh, Mr. Oriole himself, is not going to be happy about this. But Adley Rutschman certainly a name that's been, you know, uh, highly touted the last few years, you know, got some time in last year, looked right. pretty good doing it. But it's always the difficulty of young catchers, I feel like, who have to manage a pitching staff and really learn all of that, where sometimes their offense takes a second 
fiddle or the back seat to that. So mm-hmm. is that your concern with Rushman or is it something else that you saw last year in his performance that worries you about 2023? Yeah, really no more what you just talked about there. And if you so there was an excellent interview a couple of weeks ago, our, our buddy Eno Saras interviewed Stephen Vote uh, on the podcast. And, and Stephen, you know, he now, uh, Vote is now uh, working with the Seattle organization, but he talked about the amount of work that went into every game and all the prep and what he had to do every single game. And, and Joe, as you said, you know, a lot of these rookie catchers, they have to do all of that stuff. And uh, hitting is almost like a secondary thing. And this is no slight against Adley Rutschman. I love him as a real baseball player. I just think there's a gap between the real and the fantasy uh, that's not being addressed in the, in the current marketplace right now. And that's only, so when you look at his ADP, it's, it's high. And you know, well, you said it with, I'd rather have Perez all day long and Perez is going down is going lower uh, than Rutschman is. And I would say another point to your point about the catchers being inflated. Let's not forget between, between Varsho, between Melendez between Langoliers and between Garver, we potentially have four catchers that are be either being drafted because we know they're not going to play catcher or in hopes that they're going to play catch. So it's like Langoliers is a projected C1, but you can't draft them as a C1 in most in most formats right now. And so you're seeing that value get pushed up. You're seeing Mitch Garver because he's already caught uh, as of yesterday, two games in spring, just need, you know, need to get the 10 game in NFBC, need to get into five in some leagues, some leagues, even one. And so you're like, let's do this. So some of that catcher value is coming up, but for Rutschman, uh, I see a lot of, I see a lot of that gap where it's like, he's a great real uh, player. And I saw him play a number of times coming here through Charlotte last year uh, before he got promoted uh, with that, but I'm not where the marketplace is on him. Uh, and yeah. that's why I have zero, I have zero shares in all the drafts I've done. And the only addition I want to make to this is I am generally any top 100 catcher is just not going to be my thing. So I'm just right. not going to have interested in yeah, interest in investing <laughs> in a catcher in my top here. 100. Yeah. So Hashtag don't like I pick on catcher. bar show a little bit, but it's just kind of like all of them. Give me Wilson Contreras. Give me William Contreras. Give me a Contreras. Highest catcher uh, I've taken so far this whole draft season was Sean Murphy uh, in uh, in an auction. Mm-hmm. I paid 16 and that was a keeper league. And uh, so I'm with you guys. I tend I'm not if you if somebody if you see my draft board and I took a catcher in the top 100, uh, it was either because JT Real Muto fell quite a bit uh, <laughs> or somebody has kidnapped me. Right. Got to do a wellness <laughs> check on Colette. Let's go to the first baseman here, Colette. Why don't you start with this one? Who is your 2023 bust at that position potentially? So I went with Nathaniel Lowe here uh, with Texas. And when you look at him last year, he hit over 300 kind of out of nowhere. Uh, and what you look at, you have to take a look at the spray chart. And this is one of those things where I look at the law of un- unintended consequences with the new defensive rules. If you look at the way he hit last year, he had a lot of soft contact the other direction because the defense was giving it to him. And he's like, fine, I'll take it. Uh, but there, you see a lot of, of infield hits going that direction where there's going to be a fielder this year. And you look at the aggregate projections for him. Most people have him down in the two sixties. And that's, that's quite a drop from a guy that hit over 300 last year. And the aggregates have him down where they have him uh, with that. And one of the weaknesses that's been in his profile, and I would say if this applies to his brother too, I would assume they have the same hitting coach because they have the exact same swing. Um, you know, it's like they've struggled with velocity up. And so when I saw Nathaniel Lowe breaking out last year, I'm like, okay, that's it. It has to be, he's, he closed this hole Well, you go look at the data he hasn't the league just for whatever reason uh, wasn't pitching him there as much and he was deciding okay I'm just going to slap it the other way and give me what the defense gives me um, so somebody who took that kind of step forward in one year I'm concerned about taking that kind of step back I don't really see it playing out in the marketplace right now but that's somebody that I've been avoiding myself look it's a player that first base is not super deep this year you know there's certainly a drop off 
And looking at last year's stats, you hope that it holds. But you make a good point. Like, there's a lot of reason to believe that maybe the batting average, at the very least, does not. Now, Welsh, when we look at the first baseman on your all-bus team, it's another player who might be moving up in his lineup, too, which could affect potentially his RBI totals. You saw him hitting in the two-spot this weekend over there for the Philadelphia Phillies. Let's talk about Reese Hoskins. Yeah, I picked on Reese uh, simply because, well, obviously a couple of reasons, but like one of the biggest ones is this injury that he had the the knee surgery in December. I believe he's getting in a game or he got in Sunday or it's today. It's like right around right now. He's just getting into spring, which is a little bit of a setback, which I don't love lineup potentially moving up. You could look at RBI opportunities come down. Uh, Also, XBA. We expected batting average was lower than his batting average this past year. He's had an increase in his K percentage for three straight years. Uh, hard hit percentage kind of gone down exit, uh, average exit velocity kind of leveling down about a mile per hour. So you take all those into consideration and you look at where he's being drafted. You say first base isn't deep. I don't want to call, I don't want to make it like, oh, you could just wait forever. But I think it's like you're shopping in different pools. So it's like, if you know you're shopping in, you know, a high-end department store, you're getting in the top end. Middle end, you're going to start shopping at Target. But if like if you're comfortable shopping at Walmart, I think you can just be comfortable shopping at Walmart with these first basemen. And I think there's like six or seven of them. And Reese Hoskins isn't one. His cost comes at nine as far as first baseman. And he's kind of the upper tier of Walmart first baseman. I think you've got Christian Walker, CJ Cron. Uh, I really like my Ryan Mountcastle and Rowdy Telez. I just would rather move away from Reese Hoskins with some of those decreases with the injury stuff that's going on and pay a much cheaper price, potentially three or four or five first basemen lower for what I think would be relatively the same production. I mean, he had an expected batting average. It was under 240. He hit 240. I believe it was 236. I can probably get that out of Rowdy Telez with a bigger home run potential and probably pretty close to running RBI totals. And it'll probably be 50 or 60 picks later. So I'm going to pass on Reese Hoskins and he's going to be my all bust first baseman. Well, you could also play devil's advocate and said maybe he performed like that with some of his expected stats last year because of that injury. He was trying to sure. play through that. So, you know, what happens there? I would also not rule out, you know, as you were talking about the different tiers of shopping for first base. You know, this we're also in the season where daily news events move things. It's like a week ago. Yeah. Oh, no, Jose Miranda, the shoulder is problematic. And then he hits two home runs the other day. So, like, yes. okay, now we're all back in Jose <laughs> Miranda. So, and oh, he plays first and third. So, that's all fun, too. So, daily events move the needle on something. So, uh, as we learned with Gavin Lux's uh, ACL. Ooh, uh, well, so- sometimes they move him in a very, very negative direction. Bring the room down. Let's go to second base, gentlemen. And let's talk about a guy who actually had a bounce back year last year. But apparently, the Welsh isn't buying it. Who's the second baseman on your bus team? Okay, so I actually really struggle with this one because of what we've talked about before. The position is not great. It really kind of stinks towards the middle end. So it's like, do I want to pick on the top guys? I kind of thought about Ozzy Albies because Jason Collette is about to just ruin my day and ruin everybody's day with all the positive <laughs> things we've talked about with the guy I love more than anybody. So can you really have post 100 second basemen that are going to kind of flop? My So my point was picking on with Glaber Torres is – you know, he's got a lot of competition. That team seems like they are really opening up the possibility of Anthony Volpe and Oswald Peraza being there sooner rather than later. There's a lot of trade rumors that were going on. I don't know if they fully, full, fully believe in what he did last year. Again, you have another instance of like an expected batting average that is quite a bit lower. He hit the ball a ton harder, but where he's going as far as second baseman is the eighth overall second baseman. So really the bus side of this is like feeling comfortable 
and not taking one of those guys to get Glaber Torres, I think it's going to be a big disappointment. So when I'm looking at these guys, what I want, because there's a big teardrop here, by the way, seven and up is inside the top 100. 85th, according to Fantasy Pros, uh, overall is Andres Jimenez, and that's the seventh second baseman. Then you drop like 20 spots and you go into the next guy, which is Glaber Torres. Would I rather pay a close to 100 price with that type of gap for Torres or take Muncie later or take a bounce back on Brandon Lau? the end of the day, I'd rather take any of the top seven. And he is a representative of the first bit where I hate second base. So he is kind of the culprit here. Plus, I do think the team is really opening up that opportunity to get him out of here sooner rather than later. You know, it's funny. I'm looking at the opportunities for where he might land in such a speculative trade. And the only one that really came to mind for me was the Dodgers now, because they've got some open season issues now in the middle infield. He could play shortstop. He could play second, <clears throat> depending on how you want to move those things around. So uh, there's not a lot of suitors out there where like everything matches up mm -hmm. for the New York Yankees and for Glaber Torres. But you're right. If they think that last year was, hey, let's get out before the, you know, the bottom drops out again, Torres, that could certainly be something to keep an eye on later in the year. Let's take a quick break in the action to tell you about Fanimal. I love live events, but I hate buying tickets. The hidden fees, they suck. It's like paying for a whole other person who's not even there to be there with you at the event. And customer service is terrible and coordinating with friends is a nightmare. But then I discovered Fanimal and Fanimal has tickets to everything, concerts, festivals, football, basketball, you name it, and Major League Baseball. And plus, there's no fees. The price you see is actually the price you pay. What a concept. You heard it here first. Fanimal is the cheapest place on the internet to get MLB tickets. And we've all experienced how painful it is to coordinate going to events with friends. And I always end up fronting a bunch of money and then chasing down the friends to get reimbursed. And if they flake, I'm stuck with the whole bill, but Fanimal's patented group purchase makes it easy to split payments with your friends. So nobody's left holding the bag and you don't have to commit until your friends do. So just pick the seats, pick how many tickets you wanna pay for yourself and then send the link to your friends. And when you join your group, Everyone gets charged separately and your tickets are secured. So you can stack cash by inviting friends 10 bucks every time someone joins your group. Ka-ching, baby. So Fanimal has amazing customer service too. Don't take my word for it. Check out their hundreds and hundreds of five-star reviews. The next time you need tickets, go to Fanimal.com or download the Fanimal app and use the promo code FanimalMLB. That's Fanimal. MLB for $20 off your first purchase. Check out Fanimal and experience more. And now back to the action. Let's get to your second base bust. Jason Collette, who is it? Yeah, All right, let's Jason. break hearts. Uh, Jazz Chisholm. <clears throat> and I will say oh. this. I love Jazz Chisholm. I love that. No, you don't. No, you don't. You're a liar. You do not. Yeah, actually, you factually, him, you, actually, actually you hate list. him. You hate him you based hate him. on him being a bust. <laughs> Yeah. You know, I love I love that he's on the cover of the video game. I love the last year, you know, James Anderson and I were like on the front end of this. This is a guy. Yeah, let's let's stay in. People were trying to fade him out. And I remember James and I being very aggressive with him. The But my big concern is he's had trouble staying on the field. He's moving from second base to center field, which is a position that puts him at more risk from injury. So you have that position switch in a big park for him to cover some ground with uh, with help with not as much help on either side of him that he should have. That's really where my concern is. It's not, it's not his abilities. It's all the other factors that play into it. And that, and when you see, when you see him inside the top 50, that's where my concern is with him. I, I, I struggle to see how he's going to achieve that return on investment 
with those factors playing against him. It's nothing about anything else that I see in his profile outside of that health grade, which is, is tough to ignore. And the fact he's moving to a tougher physical position than second base. It's tough to ignore. And I think you make a great point there uh, about everything, which isn't, it, it, it is also sometimes we get wrapped up in the excitement of a player, you know, yeah. and that happens quite a bit, but last year, the guy only played 60 games. I mean, it was a fun 60 games, 14 yes. homers, 12 still on bases, you know, a lot of things and a flashy entertaining something that's, you know, fun to watch that fun to watch factor sometimes gets you in trouble in fantasy. You want guys that are fun to play every day. And um, certainly there's some tenuous situations there potentially for jazz Chisholm in the ADP range he's going in. Let's go to third base. And you've got another young player that people are excited about that you are not Jason Collette. So let's talk about it. All right. So this is Jordan Walker. And I was in Florida this weekend. I was at the game that he hit the 450 and the 470 foot home runs. I will also add that wind was blowing out about 200 miles an hour. That said, <laughs> it would not have stopped either one of those. Uh, I mean, they were both well hit. Uh, but that said, we talked about this a little bit on the first pitch Florida panel this weekend down in West Palm beach, you know, I have to wonder how much of Jordan Walker's current market price is being influenced by what Julio Rodriguez and Bobby Witt just did last year, uh, because we saw these two guys. And, and the, the great thing about Julio Rodriguez, and maybe you can make the same type of character comps because you know, everybody says both these guys have an 80 grade character. Uh, and, and you saw how Julio Rodriguez made the in-season adjustment once the umpire started giving him a giant zone and saying, okay, here, he was like, okay, fine. If you're going to call that a strike, I now know what to do. And then he went off and just tore the cover off the baseball and Jordan Walker could very well do the same thing. It's just to me, when I look at Walker, it, we also cannot forget Jared Kelnick is on that possibility a range of outcomes too. And that was very recent as well. And Jared Kelnick was a can't miss guy uh, and he's missed a lot of baseballs. Uh, now I know he's having a great spring and all, but your range of outcomes could vary there. And the other thing I have about Walker concern wise is we haven't seen how he's going to handle experienced pitchers that can command the baseball. He's only hit double A and we're seeing him do some things in spring this year and small stints, but I want to see how he handles those crafty veterans in triple A. I want to see what he can do against uh, major leaguers because they will quickly find flaws. They found it and they found it in Kelnick and they just pounded on him uh, and he's been forced to adjust. And I want to see what they do when they find walkers because everybody has one. Once mm. these experienced guys find it, how is he going to adjust? And we know the regression's already begun because he was 0 for 4 with two strikeouts yesterday. So it's <laughs> happening. Jason, well, can I ask you something? Can I ask you something, yeah. Jason? Do you want to be a bad guy? Are you trying to be a villain? Are you yeah, trying I'm is, trying to is be this Toby the... from the office? I am the thief of joy. <laughs> I'm just making I'm just making sure. I'm just trying. I mean, you're picking on everybody's favorite players and their level. I get that. I actually the only thing I would question is like, where are we at with Walker where he becomes a bust? Because he was po I think when he was post 250 and mm -hmm. Joe and I have been talking about him and he push up. And if he truly does get a roster spot and jumps inside the top 100, then you're kind of like lopping some of that off and you're taking off the value sure. and stuff like that. But I do think you have to kind of consider like what rookies have done, where the talent is and where he's going to really being about a bus. But to your point, there might not be a buzzier player that is on everyone's target list. Uh, for this coming week or the next right. couple of weeks because of what he's doing and the likelihood he is to make that roster, but he still is coming at a cheaper cost unless it has pushed that top 100. It's which a 225, right? Right now he's still overall 225. Feels like he's jumping around every at bat, but I mean, honestly, yeah, like I would point. say that this weekend, this weekend at labor, he went 17 and NL only. 
he went 12 in the 12 team mixed uh, and that was a better price uh, the, i thought for your know, 12 dollars if i'm in a 12 team mixed league that's a risk i'm willing to take uh, i saw some people speculating that there's a potential he could go in the first six rounds of main event week uh, and that wouldn't yeah you know, it kind of wouldn't surprise the trajectory if he keeps doing what he's doing we're going to see that right just keep it's going to go number one with a bullet i mean he's not going to get up there I would be stunned if he got inside the top 75, but the way he's hitting right now, somebody's going to take that chance. Next up on well, Jason's list, he hates Julio Rodriguez and then yeah, he hates Ronald Acuna. They all bust yeah, all team, just letting everybody know. Welsh, who's the third baseman on your all bust team for 23? Um, kind of just like the other position, I'm staying in this same kind of pool of talking about tiers of players and Eugenio Suarez just continuously doesn't jump out to me. Matt, you know, I would have also said Matt Chapman. Matt Chapman, though, hits the ball really hard kind of across the board. Obviously, Eugenio Suarez can hit the ball hard, but struggles with batting average, really, really bad whiffs. He was in the bottom five percentile of K percentage this past year. Projections hate him this year. I mean, 236 last year was an anomaly. The previous two years, he'd barely hit over 200. He had a 300 Babbitt this past year, hit 236. Even the bat X is at 209. I don't get down with guys that are going to hit sub 220. I just can't do it. I can't talk myself into it under any circumstance. And I just think that this is a guy that, as far as ADP is going, has him as a starting third baseman in any format you play in except for eight-man leagues. That is a starting third baseman. And that's a recipe for disaster if you really believe it's going to work out. Plus, I think there are better options, safer options. Jason talked about Jose Miranda, who I have been talking about since November. I love him. I think the uh, the contact skills are there. I think the power is there. I think he's an exponentially better fantasy player than Eugenio Suarez. If I wanted floor, I could go Ty France, stolen bases to keep Ryan Hayes. Not that I want to do all this. Third base, like second base, stinks. More so than anything else, I don't want a sub-220 batting average guy, and it's a recipe for a bust. It's a good one there. I'm with you on Suarez. Let's go to the shortstops, Welsh. Who makes the list for you? On the shortstops, there are some to pick from, and uh, I've actually been picking on the bottom end of a lot of them. This time, it might surprise a lot of people, even Joe, because I've always been, I've always just had like a little soft spot in my heart for him, but I'm going to go with Carlos Correa. And I think Carlos Correa is a safety net for all these people that go, okay, guess what? Shortstop is really safe this year. It's a safe position. I can, if I don't take them, I don't need to take Trey. I mean, they would take Trey Turner, but I don't need to take Bo Bichette. Uh, I don't need to take Lindor because I can just keep going back and back. I actually think the position, once you get out of that top eight, is just crazy scary. I think there are questions with Dansby Swanson. I think Tim Anderson's injury history, everybody is just giving a pass for when they don't give it for anybody else. He's the Mm -hmm. Byron Buxton of shortstops. And then you come back to Carlos Correa. Carlos Correa couldn't pass the physical. I don't even need to do the same stuff we all know. He didn't pass the physicals and everything like that. But as well, he just doesn't live up. He's had one season where we've had the run RBI totals that have been there. Hasn't stolen a base in three plus years. Doesn't hit over 25 homers, perpetually injured. And he's the guy that everyone goes, okay, well, I can draft him if I don't get anybody. To be fair, because of the position eligibility, he's like 17th on Fantasy Pros list. But he's a guy that I am pretty firmly avoiding overall, and I think he's going to be a bust. Hey, look, you know what I've already said about Correa. You know, when two teams pass on your medicals, you know, maybe it's a long-term issue, but maybe it's more of a short-term it issue is. too. And not to yeah. ma- and look, let's not pretend like Correa has been the picture of health in his career period leading up to that. So mm-hmm. at a deeper position, I think there's some shots that I'd rather take. Who are you taking a shot at at shortstop here and putting them on the all bus team, Colette? Uh, Walsh mentioned it. We talked about, he mentioned Dansby Swanson. Uh, Dansby Swanson, I, I felt he was 
very, very well insulated last year in Atlanta and took advantage of a very good surrounding cast uh, to put up his numbers. He does not have that same insulation with the Cubs. Uh, so that to me, it's like when you look at where his market price is now, I haven't seen that much of an adjustment. It's like, OK, he's just taking those talents north of Chicago and things should be just fine. Uh, I'm not there because the surrounding cast is is big change for him. Uh, and so I expect about a 15 percent reduction in his overall production. That's not playing out uh, in his current market value. So that's somebody I have stayed away from. I'm staying away from the Cubs, period, for the most part, Colette. I'm just not buying this whole half-ass sort of, we're going to throw some money at some issues and take some players and see what happens. Yeah, it's, it's weird better, build. theoretically. <laughs> it's well, just, Suzuki's it's already hurt, too. Mm-hmm. Suzuki's, Suzuki's hurt. And I actually, hurt. I just I highlighted this. If anyone listened to the microcast on Fantasy Pros, Dansby Swanson was in a top 10 uh, bus we were talking about. He was one yep. of the ones I put in there, because I agree. And it's back to that same Carlos Correa thing, that it's just like there's all these guys that people are like comfortably sitting, oh, this will be my starting short stuff. I really don't want it. I want one of the elite top tier guys. Dansby Swanson does feel like one of those guys that you're paying this year for last year's stats. Good point. Let's talk about the outfielders that made the team for Jason Collette. Michael Harris, the second, Jake McCarthy, and Masataka Yoshida. Those are the three outfielders. Let's talk about them in a cluster. What are your concerns about these guys here? Rattle them off for me, Collette. Sure. With Harris, it's, you know, people, he's he's in the back of the second round now. That's where he's going. Uh, and when I, I try to look for historical comps when I, I'm looking at players, and when I look at young players that have such a gap between their walk rate and their strikeout rate, when I, when I went back and looked at recent examples, guys that popped on that were Dylan Carlson, Ian Happ, uh, and these aren't these weren't great sophomore seasons. Uh, Cody Bell, but you know Bellinger had a season when he was 23. It wasn't his sophomore year, but he had he was coming back from the hurt shoulder. But when you look at young players that have a big gap between their walk and strikeout rate, they tend to either tread water or decline a little bit rather than take another step forward. Uh, and Harris, his defense is going to keep him in the lineup. I've seen some people say, oh, you know, against lefties he'll sit. No, he'll stay. He's just probably going to go down the ninth. Because they have options. They don't have to hit him second all year like they like they did once they called him up. And so against those lefties, him coming down and some of the historical concerns that have happened with sophomores that have had that type of uh, plate discipline uh, type of issues, I am not paying that second round value. Uh, I believe by season's end, his value is going to be closer to fifth, sixth round. And, it, you know, if you draft mm-hmm. him as a second round, you're getting fifth, sixth return. To me, that that hits the bust area. When I look at McCarthy, again, when something comes out of nowhere, you got to look at, look at where did it, where can it go from there? And a lot of his stuff, you look at, you know, I heard somebody this week and call it the lollipop screen on StatCast. And the speed stands out. Everything else is blue. Blue, 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 as blue as Welch's shirt, right? Uh, and everything else is, is red on the speed. And so everything that's built on speed, anything happens, what it happens to the rest of the game. So I have concerns about the market. And if Arizona, if they keep running like they did last year, maybe they do. Maybe I'm wrong. And then with Yoshida, I just personally have had a terrible, terrible track record with, with everybody coming over from either the Korean Baseball League or the Japanese League. Every year, I'll, like, I'll buy in. It's going to be this guy. It's going to be this guy. And every year, it's been disappointment. Last year, I was all in on Suzuki. And when he was healthy, it worked out. But he had trouble. Uh, he had uh, trouble adjusting to certain things. And, and with, we still don't know where Yoshida is going to hit. Uh, and it's not the same. This isn't your, your father's Boston lineup that's going to put up a ton of runs. Uh, and so, you know, they're still trying to figure out, I guess Devers is going to hit second type of thing, but this is not the loaded, I'm going to score six runs a game Boston lineup uh, anymore. So I see these are three names that I look at the chart and I'm like, I'm not paying those prices. Oh, I, I, 
you make great cases for all three of them. Uh, Yoshida's one definitely sticks out to me. In points leagues, I can understand, you know, maybe he'll you know, get on base enough. It'll do enough things there. I understand that, but you don't know what the power is going to be. And Harris, as great as he was, you don't know what the adjustments are in year two. Another great point there. For you, Welsh, your outfielders were Luis Robert, which, again, this one hurts my soul. Cody Bellinger, mm-hmm. which I totally get, and uh, Adelise Garcia, another guy. That That's the one that hurt my soul. Yeah. Well, and Let's I, talk about these three outfielders. Give me your I want to have the most compelling case for him. I would want to point out, by the way, I love the McCarthy one. That's one I've really been hitting on with a lot of people. I felt like a lot of the early stuff was like, oh, depth charts, he's going to hit three. He's not. Uh, Corman Carroll's going to lead off. Cattell Marte is hitting two. And Lourdes Gurriel has hit three in almost every single game this spring, including today. Uh, he's going to move further back in the lineup, maybe five or six, which could lose some opportunities. I think he runs less. So I really like that one. Um, all right. So mine, Luis Robert, I love, uh, this is kind of like the Tim Anderson. This is the Byron Buxton thing. He's great when he's out there, but he's not out there. He's never played a career hundred games in one season. That doesn't work for me. 284 batting average is solid. Ten, uh, 12 homers, 11 stolen bases in around a hundred games. Your best case scenario would be a 2020 season. But even in the bottom line of projections, this is the baseline. This is like, you know, they're giving you the baseline best case scenario is 20 homers, 12 stolen bases on the bat X. That's not worth his price. That's not worth where you're getting Luis Robert with the inherent risk with the injury as well. So I love him, but I don't think he's worth the risk. And there's so many other players like, we make excuses for like, why would we take him inside the top 50 when he doesn't play those games? And really the return I don't want to say it's Carlos Correa-esque because he steals bases, but like, are we even going to be happy on 150 game on Luis Robert? I think that's in question. Um, my other guys, who the hell do I have? I've got Garcia um, and Bellinger you had on. There. So Adolis Garcia, <clears throat> here's my big thing with him. I feel like we all got to this place now where we're comfortable. Last year, everyone's like, he can't do it. He can't do it again. <laughs> oh, yeah. Then he did do it. XBA is up to 244 and everyone's like, thumbs up. Okay. Here's what I'm worried about. A little bit bigger this offseason. I've seen him in camp. Uh, breaking balls last year, a kind of around 30% of his pitches, and he really regressed. The year before in 2021, he hit 256, which is the highest batting average against any. This past year, he started to really hit up fastballs, and the breaking balls tanked. His whiff percentage, 41% on them, and he only hit 199. I think pitchers are going to adjust to him. I think that comfort level we have in Adolis is going to do us wrong because, same thing, the crazy price. It is crazy, crazy price right now, and he makes bad contact. He swings through everything, and he's really just barely stabilizing that 244 to keep going. I don't think it's going to be there. I think he's going to get attacked a lot more with breaking pitches. And I just don't think he has the like floor to maintain a top 55 overall player. I think he could still be good, but I think it's just a matter of you paid top 50. Let's say where, what is his ADP right now? in Adolis Garcia. I want to say it's like 48. Uh, yeah. If he returns top 80 or 90, maybe you're going to be okay with it. But like, what does he have to do? He has to do everything he did last year to yeah. return that. So I don't like it. And Cody Bellinger is pretty easy. 57 in the consensus over on Fantasy Pros. And if you want to check this, you go to fantasypros.com. You can check it out there on the rankings page. And he is the 15th outfielder uh, as well. And look, at all these guys that you're talking about too, make sure that as you're looking through these names and you're hearing these names here too, don't forget that you can also put the guys to work here. Guys like Colette, guys like Welsh, myself, you make the cheat sheets with the cheat sheet creator and you can go use that on the draft wizard, fantasybros.com slash draft wizard. And you can avoid some of these pitfalls of some of these players, which is really useful. So make sure you check that out again, fantasybros.com slash draft wizard. You could always download the app as well. And the cheat sheet creator is great because you could do a composite 
of the different analysts you like, or you could just stick to one, like Jason Collette. Just say, <laughs> Jason Collette's my guy. That's my dude. Give me I hate Jazz Chisholm. Yeah. He just hates Jazz yeah. Give me yeah. a quick take on Bellinger before we get to the pitchers here. Yeah, I'm just not going to do it. I'm not going to buy back into it. I, I don't think there's any reason. He's changed his swing like 700 times in the last three years. Uh, yeah. I don't see any reason why we should buy it that he's going into Chicago. He's still crazy free swinging. Strikeout percentage went up this past year. He walked less. He hit for a worse batting average. Than, I mean, it's just continuous. And his XBA was 0.213. I mean, it. I don't see and why we would buy everybody has the same are. thing Welsh right where they go. Oh, it's, you know, it's a new situation. Let's give him another chance. I think it's the worst thing. You can I, do want to. I, like I, you want to, Actually, I want to, I like Cody Bellinger. Actually, I want to win. I like Cody Bellinger. I want him to succeed. I think he's a crazy 300 home run potential guy, but he just doesn't make contact. And like this year, I'm trying to make more of a concerted effort than anything else to really focus in on guys that make consistent contact. And I know that's right. like, oh, it's such a stupid, th- whatever. But like Adolis Garcia, I don't think is consistent, has really big whiff issues. Cody Bellinger, obviously, there's a lot of those players. Who do I like? I like the Jose Mirandas. My craziest one of all of this is probably like O'Neill Cruz and Jazz Chisholm. Those are huge swings I want to take because of the home run, the power speed potential. Sure. But for the most part, if I do take those guys, those are my risks. I want to have a lot of balance around those teams. And I want guys with really good contact skills and these floors because these dudes, Cody Bellinger could be a fantasy winner, but he also could be cut by May. He could also right. be Joey Gallo this year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Agreed. Completely agree. <laughs> I don't, I don't know what to say later. about that. I'm speechless. All right, let's go to the starting pitchers on the list for you, Jason Collette. So Spencer first I put, Strider. Hold on, yeah. wait a minute. I'm going to name them off. I want all to right. let them hang in the ether like one of those cartoon <sighs> bubbles for everybody to take in. Spencer Strider, who I am so excited about. Shane Bieber, who Welsh doesn't like, so I don't you like and either. him are going to see eye to eye on that one. And Hunter Green, which I think we can all understand where you're coming from them. So Strider, Bieber, Green, dissect them for us. Why are those guys people who have big potential busts? Yeah, Jason. So for me, I've seen Strider go as SP2. Uh, and to me, mm. it's it's when I look at a guy who is just turning, he turned 24 during the offseason. He went from pitching, you know, pitched in uh, 2019, 2020 was a wash, 12 innings before the college season was shut down. Uh, you know, 21, he had a 39% jump in his workload from 2021 to 2022. If we were to project that type of workload on him this year, that means we're taking Strider to 180 plus innings this year. And that's exactly how he's being drafted. Uh, and when I, you know, Joe, you were a, you were in New York, you came up with the Mets and Generation K. Mm-hmm. You kind of know where I, yeah. I'm hinting at with some of this, but that's, you know, I was in well, high school. And you're I, also hinting at a team that has aspirations for the playoffs. So, if you're going to push him to 180 in the regular season, that's yeah. not even talking about what's going to happen in the playoffs. So precisely, I, I look as SP two, you're 100 percent like that's nuts. But man, I just need I want the I, I see the the risk reward. You can have the same sure. conversation with Degrom. It's like the innings that he does pitch. I've heard you know make this point. He was even talking about it this weekend. It's like if Degrom comes out and gets 140 innings, he could be the best pitcher in baseball because of the quality of that. And we saw what Strider was able to do last year. But again, we haven't seen how he comes back from a big workload jump and go and 38 that's increase fair. is a big one. That's and fair. that's why I'm like, I've been out uh, on him. Uh, that said, I do have him for one dollar in one of my leagues because I, 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 I traded <laughs> right, what for about him last Bieber? year when I was dumping. So, yay. Um, and when I look at Shane Bieber, love, love the pitching style, love to watch him pitch. But my biggest concern with him is the the imbalance schedule is gone. He had a uh, like a 213 
ERA against the AL Central last year, a 3.52 against everybody else. And so he had a lot of a lot of sweetness came out of facing the Tigers and the Royals uh, and the depleted Twins lineup and the White Sox mess repeatedly. And so that big gap, now he's got to play some of those other teams. I want to see how that softens up. Uh, and then with Green, it's nothing about the pitcher. It's the surrounding cast, getting back to the sure. Dansby Swanson thing. That's not a great bullpen. Uh, that's not a great defense. And that's not as inconsistent run support. And he can go out and strike out 12 guys and lose a game. Uh, and so I, without the wins, like I can't legitimately, I've seen some projections saying Green's a 10, 12 game winner. I don't see it because I don't know how the Reds are going to get there. Uh, they're not Oakland bad, but they're not good. And it's good. There are going to be mm-hmm. times where he gets pulled out of a game and that bullpen blows that lead. Um, so that's why I'm not, that's why I'm out on Hunter Green as current market price because he is inside the top 100 right now. Welsh, you've got Dylan Cease, Robbie Ray, Kyle Wright. Now you've talked a lot about Dylan Cease. So give everybody the 10 seconds on that because we already know your feelings on him. But Robbie Ray, Kyle Wright are two other guys you think could be potential busts. Why? Yeah, I mean, Cease has just been uh, big, high walk rates, like the strikeout rates. I don't know how good this team is going to be, and I just think he's super volatile. I just, I just don't like the cost. I think a lot of people, Nick Pollock uh, agreed. I think a lot of people agree. Just the cost of where Dylan Cease goes overall just doesn't quite add up. And again, this is there's actually a balance. It's funny we were talking about Strider. I keep thinking, and J- Jacob deGrom, where it's like, how do you balance out your team's you know, wouldn't you almost sometimes rather take these players that have, you know, this volatility, but to be like the number one overall player and then just take a bunch of players around them for protection? Or do you want safety across the board? And I just actually don't think Dylan Cease qualifies as either one of those. I don't think he's got that the highest. I would rather Strider than Cease all day long. Uh, I I just don't like those walk rates. Robbie Ray specifically is one that I'm just not in love with. He had a decrease on his fastball, which was around a mile and a half um, overall. And I think uh, it just went away from me, but I think this was an overall pitch mix that his velocity went down. Yeah. His slider went down about a full mile and an a full mile per hour. His changeup went down. His fastball went down. I don't, overall like Robbie Ray and the cost he's still pretty pretty heavy up there so Robbie Ray's just a guy that I'm strikeouts also went down like from 11 to 10k per nine and uh, the three and a half ERA just think doesn't fit so he's just you know a little too crazy and Kyle Wright you know I don't I think we're paying so much Kyle Wright for what he did last year and I said this on the microcast there's one thing I can guarantee you Kyle Wright will not win 21 games this year. So what does that ultimately do to his overall value? I don't, the strikeouts are not elite. He has great team context. It's actually funny because I agree with uh, what Jason said about Hunter Green. Like I like Hunter Green stuff a lot and I love the K's and I like the strikeouts, but the team in general doesn't give you a lot of safety. Kyle Wright does have the safety because of the the Braves. I mean, a guy won 21 games. There's a reason behind it, but you've got still a two and a half walk per nine under nine K per nine is not what I love. And he had a little bit higher. His expected ERA was almost four compared to a low three. So take all that in consideration. I think he's going to regress. I d- there's no chance the wins come remotely close and we're paying for him right around, right around top 30 overall SP. So Dylan Cease, Robbie Ray and Kyle Wright are all my bust pitchers for this year. Let's close it out with the closers then. Welsh, who is your potential bus closer in 23? Well, on the microcast, I told you guys uh, Joe Barlow because Joe Barlow is being drafted inside the top 150 and, uh, or no, Scott Barlow. The Barlow's confused me. I actually saw Scott Barlow today. Scott Barlow with the Kansas City Royals uh, because he was going inside the top 150. And I think that's silly that you're taking closers that don't have defined roles because Roldis Chapman is there and Roldis, there's no way that a Roldis Chapman is there to just sit and be an eighth inning guy. He had a lot of opportunity to go in other places. So 
staying with it and giving you a different name. These guys that are in these questionable closing spots, Clay Holmes is somebody that is in one of the best, you know, cities, New York. He's a Yankees closer. It seems great. Lots of opportunity. The team has already talked about moving him in and out of that position. I hate that. I hate the idea of paying at any top high-end closer. And he comes after like the big guys. He's not like he's going at a crazy cost, but he's inside the top 15 of closers. I think you have to reach ahead because every guy, almost every guy after him has really big questions unless you want a Rockies closer and a Pirates closer in Bednar and Burt. I don't think you do want Bart and, and Bednar. So Clay Holmes, I feel like people are like, okay, I can snag this guy. I just don't think, and the Yankees have already told us that he's guaranteed to get those spots. So I think that's going to be a bust for a lot of people that are like, oh, I can wait on closers and I'll get, you know, a, a guy that's going to be put in a great situation with the Yankees. Clay Holmes is pretty easy for me. Colette, you've got another high profile reliever on yours as well. It's Devin Williams. Why? Yeah, I do. So another point I would say there, why, why people are kind of doing what they are with closers. Let's not forget that there were only 11 pitchers that had 25 plus saves last year. So I think that's wow. kind of emboldened people to say, fine, I'll punt. Uh, you know, conversely, I saw something earlier today, somebody in a, in a, uh, in a 12 team OC, 15 OC opened up with Aaron judge, then took Emmanuel class, a Josh Hader and Edwin Diaz as his first four picks. So, all three, all three. So wow. I want to see what the rest of that build looks like. Uh, so, but I think people are more Spoiler, emboldened to say, good. Hey, I'm going to try the Tampa Bay Rays approach and just, you know, find all these stream relievers and try to build all these saves all year uh, because they want to, they want to take advantage of hitting or whatever uh, <sighs> early on. But I put Devin Williams cause he's going, it's fun to watch him pitch. Love the airbender, love the strikeouts. Uh, but let's not pretend that he's been a model of health. Uh, you know, with, he's had uh, a, some knee issues that airbender requires him to severely pronate his arm to throw that pitch that puts him at some risk uh, you know severe pronator would be a guy like brent honeywell who were, I, I wish that could have happened but it never did but yeah. so williams he's, still with, that the, he's still with the padres jason he's, it could still happen yeah but that is not where you know he was he was our 10 step you know there's no such thing as a pitching prospect just a reminder trade your pitching prospects every time you can uh but with so that's my thing with williams is i'm i'm concerned that he could stay healthy over the course of a full season if i am drafting williams i'm trying to make sure i get matt bush somewhere deep down the draft uh, as some insurance policy with that but matt devin williams i want to say matt devin williams is costing <laughs> you uh to acquire the skills because the upside's definitely there but the risk is there and you should look to mitigate the risk as well but i i'm i i ended up with williams in one i think i took him in ttfbi uh, as mm. my first closer but he definitely wasn't my target well, just to recap, everybody's bust teams for 2023. The Welsh at catcher Dalton Varshow, then Reese Hoskins at first, Glaber Torres at second, Eugenio Suarez at third base, Carlos Correa at short, Luis Robert, Adelise Garcia, Cody Bellinger in the outfield, and the rotation is Cease, Robbie Ray, Kyle Wright with Clay Holmes. You know, it's funny. You look at this roster, Welsh. It's a pretty competitive roster. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, it's funny. It's so funny you said that. I was about to say, I could totally see someone doing the all fade Welsh team and putting this team together. Yeah. And, and I want somebody there. to do that. In fact, yeah. go out there and do it and, and let us know if you are. I mean, um, you didn't have a first round Collette? pick if you did, but yeah. No, you didn't have a first round pick, but you know, it's just kind of funny. Um, Adley Rutschman at catcher, Nathaniel Lowe at first, Jazz Chisholm at second, Jordan Walker at third, Dansby Swanson at short, Michael Harris. Jake McCarthy and Yoshida in the outfield, then Spencer Strider, Bieber, Hunter Green, and Devin Williams. So I might go certainly to war with Jason's team. I might go to war with Jason. <laughs> I'm not going to lie here. I might go to war with somebody. Hey, well, the point I try to say is every year we have surprises. So everybody steps sure. up. In order for somebody to step oh, up, look. somebody's got to step down. Yeah. And you guys have definitely you know, 
hit on some big names, and I think that's worth everybody paying attention to because just because a big name, big investment doesn't mean it's a sure thing all the time. So you should rethink and at least understand where the guys are coming from. A little food for thought here from the Welsh and Jason Collette. Follow him on the Twitter machine at Jason Collette. He's a great follow. He does great stuff in the baseball world. Check out his work at Rotowire and Fangraphs as well. I want to thank the sponsor of today's show, and that is Fanimal. Head over to Fanimal. Dot com or download the Fanimal app and use that promo code Fanimal MLB. That's F-A-N-I-M-A-L MLB. Fanimal MLB to get $20 off your first purchase. Check out the Fanimal experience and experience more. That'll do it for us, but the story of the game goes on. For Jason and Welsh, I'm Joey P. We'll see you next time, kids. Oh.